Today on Locked On Canadians, it is the Friday mailbag. We have questions on Josh Anderson's trade value, the waiver wire, what Laval's going to look like, Dominique Ducharme, P.K. Subban. It's all coming up next on Locked On Canadians. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 691 of your first listen of the day. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we want to thank Bet Online because they're bringing this episode to you. Bet Online, they have you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. My name is Laura Sab, also known as the Active Stick, and I'm joined as always by Scott Matlove, Habs Eyes on the Prize. Scott, it's a special Friday mailbag. How are you doing this evening, this fine Wednesday evening? I was just saying, I'm glad that you mentioned that because now that we've said that we're doing something on Wednesday, uh, something's going to happen and we're going to have to sit down to record tomorrow night on Thursday anyways. So, um, so far, so good. I survived the Bills home opener. Um, I survived another week. And uh, yeah, hockey is, let's see, we are five days away from the next, the first Canadians preseason game. Uh, It's an exciting time. And as Scott said, we're recording this on Wednesday night. So if any news breaks, please don't yell at us. We are doing the mailbag as is. All the questions we've received until this point. And uh, let's get started right away with the mailbag. We had a question that we received a couple weeks ago, but I needed time to do my homework. Um, So I'm just going to pull it up real quick so that we can go over it. And it was about Dominique Ducharme. So if you've listened to this podcast at all, you'll know that we have been critical of Dominique Ducharme. And our friend Corey D sent us an email. Like it is, like I said, it's it's a couple of weeks ago that this came up. And at the time, it was because Dominique Ducharme was on the SIG podcast with uh, Tony Marinero. And the reason that we're answering it this late is because we had bookmarked the, the podcast. And I'll be really honest, like I like I, I like the podcast a lot, like the SIG podcast with Tony Marinero. And I think, you know, Tony usually makes headlines for his commentary as a commentator. But I think he's extremely underrated as an interviewer. But I just didn't want to listen to Dominique Ducharme because I just, I wasn't, you know, that, 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 like his cadence, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really difficult to really get into. And I kept tuning it out. So I really needed to like focus on what he said. Um, so the question is, it's no secret that this podcast has been especially hard on Dominique Ducharme regarding Cole Caulfield's poor performance at the beginning of last season and the whole team for that matter. For the longest time, I've agreed with this statement. However, after watching Tony Marinero's podcast, the Sick Podcast with Dominique Ducharme, I'm having second thoughts. He seemed to have all the right answers of why Cole Caulfield's season had such a slow start and why the Habs had such a slow start and poor season. What are your thoughts on this? And is it possible that this podcast is giving him too much of a hard time? So so there was the article uh, in The Athletic, the interview, and then Tony Marino, Tony Marinero did a great job. Like when you listen to him, he asks the difficult questions, right? Like he puts it to him. He asks the questions that we want to know, which is like, what's it like to be named, you know, head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, the behind the scenes of that, the mechanics of that, all of that kind of stuff. And Dominique Ducharme, to his credit, praised all of the players. Like, you know, he didn't really throw any players under the bus or anything like that. We knew that there was a disagreement with Jeff Petrie. Like he went and he talked about, you know, how after that, that, com- that, that uh, famous quote, uh, post-game quote, 
about there not being any structure on the team. They had a conversation, all of that. Like he, he said all of the right things about the players. And I think Tony asked really difficult questions. And, and like I said, like he usually makes headlines or makes, you know, d- the discourse for opinions and commentary. But as an interviewer, like, like I love the podcast because he really gets at the questions he asked, he straight up asked, you know, like what was the reason for Cole Caulfield's poor play and, and, and downturn. And I think that like, for me, the criticism that I have, and yes, we have talked about the Cole Caulfield thing was an, the overall criticism that I had with Dominique Ducharme, Ducharme was that he was not adaptable. He didn't seem to have the answers. Like I know sometimes when we talk about it, like it, it does come off like, we think he took Cole Caulfield's season and purposely ruined it. And so one of the reasons for all of the players coming out, you know, like there was an absence of leadership in the room and, and Ducharme particularly praised. I don't want to, you know, go listen to the podcast if you haven't already. If you listen to us, there's a pretty decent chance that you are already a listener of the SICK podcast. But I don't want to get into so many of it, but he talked about the leadership of Shea Weber and Corey Perry. He talked about the absence of leadership when they weren't there. He said a lot about the shortened offseason season. And he made the point that like when they were done with the playoffs in July, it had been after a lockdown and they weren't able to see their friends and socialize. So they took some time off after the the playoffs were done, after the Stanley Cup run was done to kind of do all of that stuff. So their conditioning and training was much shorter. And Jeff Petrie was already injured, you know, it was kind of the same thing with Cole Caulfield because he played so much like he played the college season and then the, you know, the couple of games in the AHL and all of that. So I think that there were a lot of factors that he put in a lot of factors as to why Cole Caulfield, but also the other players were underperforming. But for me, like the one thing that I didn't find, and I think, I think Tony did ask, I just didn't get a satisfactory answer about Dominique Ducharme, like from Dominique Ducharme, sorry, about why he wasn't adaptable. Like, and he talked about the behind the scenes with Mark Bergevin's message. And then, you know, with, with, with the new management telling him his job was safe and then it wasn't, he seemed very pragmatic. He seemed very positive. Like he, like the, the, the words that he said were very intelligent, right? Like he, he spoke very well, but he didn't answer the question. And that's what I'm finding very frustrating. That, that is my biggest thing is that I've seen the quotes that it's like, oh, if I was told this and it's like, you probably were like, there was no, despite having, you know, needing to be adaptable and everything. And like, sure that, yeah, these guys had long off seasons. You weren't putting them in a system to succeed then like nothing nothing was done to players strengths there were no changes to make things better it like outside of michael pozzetta becoming an nhl regular who was good or you know showed improvement under dominique ducharme last year and the adaptability is a key thing if you don't have an answer on that then i don't really need to i don't need much else being a coach is about being adaptable and no i'm not going to blame him for everything his coaching is part of it there was no change or sentiment to change in that and yes you told your job was safe but then you didn't change anything to try and you know fix what was wrong if you're told your job's safe start trying something else you know do something to maybe make it look like you have a plan b if you're not going to do that why would jeff gordon and ken hughes need to keep you around then it's like yes my job I, i was told it was safe you didn't change anything then so why should we keep the same old same old here and you know I, I don't have time for that. If you're not going to actually make changes, I, I don't feel like wasting time with what else you have to say on that. 
I rambled a lot on this because I was the one who listened to the podcast uh, before recording. It was it was there. I listened to some of the other more recent episodes. I just I didn't I wasn't in the in the mood to kind of absorb that. But we got asked about it, and I'm sorry for you know dominating the segment. But again, I did want to kind of recap a little bit of what was said, and I think it's worth listening. Like there's like there, like some of the the d- descriptions that he had about talks with Corey Perry and Shea Weber. Like I thought that was a lot of there was a lot of meat to that interview. I just I think that if if the reason that they cited when they fired him was that they were not seeing positive attributes in the players. So to me, that is a lot more telling. Uh, so I'm going to leave it at that because, you know, we wanted to address the question that we had been putting off and we're going to really race through all of our other mailbag questions. And that's all coming up in just one moment. But first, betonline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events is BetOnline, and that includes MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline where the game starts all right scott so usually when i'm hosting you would ask the questions but i will run through the questions again like because of life circumstances we're trying to get the 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 a mailbag episode recorded for you so our first question um it comes from uh carm and uh from the blazing pucks podcast um and if you're listening to our podcast we are kid friendly, uh, but before you listen to the Blazing Pucks, just make sure there's no kids in the room. <laughs> Your children are not there, uh, but check out the podcast. It's a really good time. Um, all right. And the question is, question for Scott. Since I heard mention of How I Met Your Mother, what's your favorite moment in the show? Mine has to be the pineapple incident and P.S. T- Ted irritates me beyond belief, too. I, I was going to say the pineapple incident because that is the episode that got me into watching the show uh, when I was in college. Um, but it's Slapsgiving is definitely my personal favorite. The entire uh, process in theory of slap bet is one of my favorite running gags in the entire show. Uh, so I'm definitely going to have to go with that one, uh, if not the pineapple incident. I think I, I do like the slap like just like the slap bet commissioner and and the whole ongoing. I love that. Also, uh, there's a part where uh, Barney has suit jammas um, that for whatever reason, that is one of the funniest moments. All right. uh, This comes from, I'm going to use this Twitter handle, uh, time traveler on Twitter. Hi guys. As a mega fan of both the Habs and the Florida Panthers, the more I see Arbor Jack, I play the more uh, play. The more he reminds me of Radko Gudas. When they set their sights on a guy, they can both turn into lunatics. But the rest of the time, they're both large and reasonably good skaters with underrated puck-moving capabilities. What do you think of the comparison? I actually think that's really good because if they were to focus on the not murdering people part of their game, they're very good at what they do. Radko Gudas was a very good uh, defensive defenseman. It's just that he couldn't keep his head on straight for long periods of time. And it would then do something extremely suspendable. He's a nuisance to play against. And when he's on his game, he's just an immovable brick wall in the defensive zone. It's just keeping that focus because he's one of those players that they have that red mist that they see that and all bets are off on everything. And I were to, if Jack, I were to become a Radko Gudis type player, uh, the Canadians would be laughing. I don't know if he will, 
I like I haven't seen him play enough professionally to know where his uh, defensive game is at. Yes, Laura. Um, tying into a next question that is extremely related from Adam Yu on YouTube. Is there any chance that Arbor Jacka's unique qualities allow him to jump the queue and hold down a spot in Montreal while our more skilled prospects develop and live out? Maybe. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of preseason to play, and he earned an entry-level contract with his play last preseason. He started on the third pairing at the prospects games and moved up to an entry-level contract, a third-pairing NHL defenseman with Xavier Willett in the preseason in the span of about a month last year. It's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. It's entirely possible for all I know. Uh, the issue is, is that I just don't know. I think Jordan Harris and Justin Barron have more polish. And I think Caden Gooley is just a more well-rounded overall defenseman. I think he's got every shot and I think he's going to play a lot. But I right now, I, I can't say for certain that he's going to jump the line just because I think Caden Gooley is just that guy. He's going to be that guy. And I think Jordan Harris has all the promise in the world to also be there right now. They just have a little bit more polish to their game. Well, Jack, I needs a little bit of refinement in some areas and he'll learn very quickly uh, in Laval. And that's not a bad thing for him to be there. Well, he will play likely a ton of minutes for uh, Jean-Francois Houle. Uh, Larry L Jr. on YouTube. Here's a question for the folks at Locked On Canadians. Where does P.K. Subban rank among the greatest defensemen in Canadians history? Top five easily. Um, it's Robinson. It's um, Doug Harvey. It's Andre Markov is in there. Uh, Chris Chelios is in there probably for a shorter period of time. P.K. Subban is in there for sure. Um, it's hard because the Canadians have so many greats, but like it's, it's Larry Robinson and then take your pick afterwards. You can make an argument for Andre Markov. You can make an argument for P.K. Subban. You can make an argument for Doug Harvey. You can make an argument for someone like Serge Savard or someone else. There's so many names, but I would firmly place P.K. Subban in my top five Canadians defensemen of all time. Uh, mail that question in the emails from Eric from Kalamazoo. If Josh Anderson is so co coveted by other GMs, and I agree that he should be, why trade him when he could still be part of the rebuild? Aren't you then immediately looking for a big forward that can score, hit, and skate if he's gone? Well, you just described Uri Slavkovsky a little bit, but I, I the point is well taken, is that if they trade Josh Anderson, they have no one else like Josh Anderson ready to go in this lineup right now. And the thing about trading him is not that they should, but that you have to get an offer that is so good that it's going to make up for the loss of Josh Anderson in the lineup. I don't just want to trade him for trading him's sake. That's that's how you kind of get into a bad spot. I want to make sure that if you're trading Josh Anderson away, you are getting a a, a, a well worth it return uh, back. And I don't think he'll be traded right now or even next year. But I think once he gets to those final like two years of his deal, uh, there's a very good chance if he's healthy and he's been playing well that, you know, teams are going to be, you know, knocking down the doors for a guy like Josh Anderson. And Kent Hughes, uh, as he's coming out of that rebuild there, hopefully, will be able to, you know, just recoup a huge return on that. But I don't think it'll be this year. Uh, and I, I don't want to trade him this year. Just there's too much else going on. But if you get an offer you can't refuse, it's an offer you can't refuse, right? I think the value of Josh Anderson, to me, is the fact that there's not that many Josh Andersons and GMs covet like the particular skill set that he has, even though it might not necessarily be a fit on whatever team, 
they just they they see that and they just completely lose all rationality. Um, and coming up next, we're gonna finish our mailbag. We're going really fast today, uh, so and we're also mixing up all the like the themes of it. But um, the rest of our mailbag is coming up in just one moment. All right, so. Uh, we are going to go into back into our email. And the question is from Zach M in the emails. Uh, question for the mailbag. With the Canadians having priority on waivers, do you see them picking anyone up as rosters are finalized out of training camp, even if it's just to help Laval? Also, if a player on a two-way contract is picked up off waivers and assigned directly to Laval, are there any cap implications? I.e., do they first have to be do they first have to be fit under the cap before they can be sent to Laval? Two way doesn't impact whether they can be sent directly to the AHL or not. It only two way uh, is about the amount of money they can make in either league. One way means they make the same at either level. Two way means they have an AHL and an NHL salary. Uh, so that doesn't impact it at all. Uh, I can't imagine them picking anybody off of waivers unless either there's someone they can't miss like a shocking waiver group or they have cleared a good chunk off their own cap right now. Like we said, you know, several times they invited 74 people to training camp. A lot. There's a lot of bodies in Montreal right now. And it has, there's going to be someone that they either really wanted or they feel like they can't miss out on right now. So they have the first waiver spot. So I can see it potentially, but it's, I don't think it's going to be high on Kenton Hughes' list. Like we haven't seen PTOs. I don't think we're going to see a lot of waiver claims unless there's someone like they really truly, truly want on the NHL roster right now. Um, and then a YouTube question. Also uh, just one thing, because I, uh, we got a message or we got a YouTube comment from somebody who had been muted that I do not remember muting. Uh, just so you know, like we will only mute you if you are a jerk to one of us or a fellow listener, like we don't tolerate that. And it's like, I'm very liberal with that button. There's no such thing as block. I can't make you unsubscribe. The only thing I can do is hide your comments so nobody can see them. The only reason I would do that is if you're a misogynist, if you're a jerk to one of us, if essentially, if if you comment to us or another listener, what the way that you would not want me coming to your job and telling you how to do it and commenting like that. So call somebody stupid, call somebody an idiot, call people worse things, make, you know, derogatory remarks about our looks. Those are the only reasons you would legitimately be, be muted. And if you did not do that, and I muted you by mistake, I apologize. Uh, just send us an email and let me know. Um, and, you know, please just don't be a jerk. But I'm sorry if I muted you by mistake. And I have. I've muted at least five people completely accidentally because I was reporting spam and I was also being liberal with that button. So just, I'm sorry if that was you. And if you haven't had any issues with anybody and if you haven't been mean in any way or rude or disrespectful, then let me know and I'll reinstate you. Just send me your username. Um, all right, question from Scott for Scott again. Uh, from Dan Lapsaz. Who's your favorite Avatar The Last Airbender character? And tell me why it's Soka. Soka? Sokka. Sokka. Well, we had this conversation and then I forgot. Sorry. So here's the thing is he is the character I relate very deeply to as someone who's trying their best and doesn't always succeed in that. And it's kind of the goofy, you know, like um, person in the group there. Uh, my favorite character in at least the last airbender series is uncle Iroh uh, all the way through it because he's very old wise, good comic relief. And he's also probably 
the coolest firebender in the entire show. The man can breathe fire out of his mouth like a dragon and loves tea. What's not to love about that? Um, that he is my favorite character. And now uh, I am probably actually due to rewatch all of the last airbender again at some point. So thank you for that. A uh, couple of quick Twitter questions that we're going to get into real quick. Uh, Ryan S on Twitter, Jordan Harris really impressed me at the rookie tournament. And I believe he will continue to show he deserves a spot in the NHL. If he makes the Habs opening night roster, which side should he play on and who would be his ideal partner? I, I can see him playing on the left and like them swapping someone around. Um, I know he played a little bit of both there. I think with Jordan Harris, who needs a little bit, I don't want to say a safety blanket because he's usually a very safe player. The good part about him is you can put him with anybody and it's going to work. Uh, it, it allows Martin St. Louis and his defensive coaches some flexibility. They are not, they are not beholden by handedness or styles or anything like that. Harris is, Safe enough that you don't have to worry about it. Uh, our friend Jeff the Red. On a hilarity scale of 1 to 10, how hilarious is it that there are now no active players left who have lost to the Leafs in the playoffs? It's a 67. Easily it's a 67. Uh, our friend Kay, who we would die for. Hi, Kay. We would die for you. Um, hi, Laura. Hi, Scott. How important is the wife guy per 60 stat in evaluating how much you like a player? Related question. Can a girlfriend guy have wife guy vibes? I, well, the okay. Habs are, I will let you take the lead yes. on this. So the second question, the answer is yes. A girlfriend guy can have wife guy vibes. Um, but I think for me, one of the things that I really love is like these, like, you know, manly men, like really just like, just, you know, gushing and like like just being a wife guy i like i absolutely love it it it, it just it endears me more to them right so like as fans of the sport obviously we do look at their on ice play that's primarily what it is but you know off the ice if they're an awesome person like to me that just makes me like the player more and that's the thing is like with alexander romanov traded the habs are kind of light on wife guy energy uh mike matheson does very well to fill that void uh, considering his uh, very famous Olympian wife as well. Uh, Emily's fantastic and they have a very adorable child. Um, but we're like, we're kind of light on like wife guys on the Habs now, aren't we? Like Carey Price is all but retired. Um, and it's a lot of younger guys for the most part. Like then there's Brendan Gallagher who has like the most opposite of like what wife guy energy is. Like he's in a committed relationship, but you're like, it's Brendan Gallagher. He's just a giant toddler despite being 30 years old. So I don't know what that energy is, but you know, I'm always here for guys who are wife guys on the Habs. It's makes Instagram so much more fun. What if one of them has a Finsta? Okay. If somebody has a Finsta, a Finsta on which he's like an ultra wife guy, who would it be? My money's on Josh Anderson. Uh, but also, I think like looking at the at, at, at the at the guys right now, I think like Nick Suzuki comes the closest. I, I think guy. so. He's very subtle about it, though. I don't I don't know if if you if he's like a wife guy. He's just he's definitely like a girlfriend guy. Yeah, like I mean, he's Nick Suzuki, so like he doesn't say much. He doesn't do much all the time. Like most of the things he posts are like with his cat or like Cole Caulfield. So like. The bromance is kind of getting in the way of the wife guy energy a little bit. So, um, and then we've got another question from Jeff the Red. Now that he's retired, what hobbies or activities do you think Zdeno Chair will pursue? 
Uh, real estate. Uh, according to Brad Marchand, when he was out injured, he got his real estate license in like no time flat. So like if anyone in the greater Boston area needs a very scary realtor, I guess uh, Zidane O'Chara will be available in short order. Um, if they're right again, what are your top three PK Subban moments? Hit on Marchand, uh, game three out of the penalty box goal against Boston and double OT winner in game one against Boston in 2014. Uh, and then we've got Jean-Marc uh, Slavkovsky. No, this was an answer to a question. All right. Um, Ellen K asks, I wonder how Chara feels about Habs drafting two Slovaks, especially knowing how much he dislikes the Habs. And then Jean-Marc replied, Slavkovsky was drafted by the Habs and heard a message from Zdeno Chara telling him how proud he was. Like, I think it's not about the, the jersey. It's the fact that Zdeno Chara among you know, among a couple of greats was one of the people that put Slovakian hockey on the map and that these guys are the ones falling in their footsteps. So like, I'm sure when they saw the picture of like Meshar um, and uh, Nemitz and, and, uh, and Slavkovsky, like they were really, really excited and really, really proud. I really don't think it's about the, 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 the crest on the Jersey. It's about the getting drafted at all. Uh, and I also look at this, I think, I don't think Zdeno Chara like personally dislikes or hates the Canadians. I think he has a respect for them that goes with the rivalry. I just think he played them hard because that's what the Habs Bruins rivalry is. He was almost signed by Mark Bergevin uh, a couple of years ago when he went to, I believe it was Washington. Uh, he was almost a Montreal Canadian, which would have been one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, I, I think he's probably very proud. Like you said, he put helped put Slovakian hockey on the map. And now he had two Slovaks went first and second overall. And then uh, you had Philip Mayshar taking in the first round. It was a very good day for Slovakian hockey. And I think that's a source of pride for someone like him who helped build that over the years. Our friend Goalie Droid is back from a summer hiatus. <laughs> Welcome back, Goalie Droid. Why have the Habs decided they're not bleu blanc et rouge, but bleu blanc and neon pink this season? So this is some sort of marketing thing that they're doing, right? I, I, I like to think that they're going back to the 80s where they're going to have no goaltending and score a ton. So, like, I'm hoping that's it. Uh, otherwise, I think this is just their weird, cool color scheme idea for the year. I don't really get it, but I'm not paid enough to get it. So I will yeah. trust their marketing and PR. Like, their, their social media, like, colors just look like, like Laser Quest. Um, uh, Gino asks, are the Habs interested in Jacob Shikrin? Arizona has a ton of cap and are listening to offers. Hughes could offer Armia Hoffman, Florida's first round pick, the Flames' first round pick, Riley Kidney, and David Savard. Create cap and get a young stud D. I think that's a lot going in Arizona's direction. It's also very beneficial that it gets rid of a bunch of the contracts you don't want on the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I know, I, I know the, 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 like the, the deals are like the, the picks are to sweeten the deal. I just I still think that that's a lot. It's too much to go in one direction. I know Jacob Chikrin's very good, but the Canadians aren't close enough right now that trading all that for him is going to get them like a Stanley Cup. He's one piece in a puzzle that needs many pieces still. I would love that if that price came down a little bit, but giving up both those first-round picks plus kidney and other pieces is too much right now. And I know you got to give to get, but in the Canadians' position, giving up that much is wasting – not wasting assets, but – um, could easily stall out the rebuild that's going forward right now. I would still call Arizona and see if they want to do money laundering for us, though. Um, 
with with the contracts that mentioned not the assets but the contracts uh our friend blaine potvin uh if you were to name a hurricane whose name would you use now he doesn't mention the habs i mean i can just name it anything i want whatsoever well he doesn't mention the habs but i feel like we should do okay one just anything and then one that's the habs uh i uh, if it's the habs it's jack eye yeah, like Hurricane Jack, I just, well, one, that's probably very fitting. Uh, if I was just naming it anything, uh, Phineas, I don't know why, but that's just the name that came to the back of my head, just something out there that you don't hear a lot. So uh, if I was naming it a non-Habs thing, it'd be Phineas, but I do like Hurricane Arbor or Hurricane Jack Eye as well. Uh, either one of those I think would be very, very on brand for him. I would name it Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and finally, our nemesis is back also after taking a summer hiatus. Hey, nemesis, what would be the funniest punchline to a the worst day of fishing beats the best day of blank? Being on trial for tax evasion. <laughs> That's a really good one. I, um, I thought about that all day at work, and that is the one that I came up with. So I didn't think about this at all, and I'm going to say having bunion surgery. I don't know. um i don't i i don't know if that's a bad thing i don't know maybe it's a really easy surgery but it just seems like i don't know um and hopefully i will never have to find out those are all the mailbag questions that we have for you this week and uh as a reminder we did record this on wednesday night so if any news happened on thursday we will cover it in our monday otherwise there is a game on monday uh we will have a three up three down of like the news of training camp so far and then we'll be recapping the preseason games. We've got a couple of interesting guests and also um, a very fun crossover coming up uh, next week. All that's coming up. So just make sure that you are subscribed to Locked On Canadians wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and also you can find us on Twitter uh, and at LO underscore Canadians. You can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. And remember, you're always free to leave comments in the YouTube Don't be a jerk. Otherwise, I will hide you on purpose, not by accident. Thank you so much for listening. And when you're done listening to this podcast, check out Locked On NHL. Thank you so much. See you Monday.